Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Burt's Books podcast. Who knew that I would be able to keep something like this going for five whole weeks? Let's see how much further we can get. Lots of things to talk about this week uh, that will be coming up in the news section. Stuff about the podcast, stuff about the crowdfunder. Um, sorry for using the C word. It will be the last time that I use it, I promise. But first, I want to thank everybody for sticking with me. We've had over 200 listens on um, of this podcast. So a bit like when I started the website and I just wanted to sell one book. I, I just wanted to see if anybody would listen and and you are listening. So that's great. Uh, if you do want to leave a review, um, you can. That would be very welcome. It encourages me. It helps me make sure that I'm doing the right thing. And if there's anything that you want to hear more of, then also uh, let me know. So the first review on the podcast was from Wally Bobs, who says, I've ordered from Burt's Books, so was thrilled to hear about the podcast. Great first episode. Can't wait for the next. So that was really nice to hear. I'll share a few more reviews with you as they come in. But coming up in today's episode, I've got a couple more book reviews for you. I've got another special guest who will be telling me what they're reading and of course an update on everything that is Burt's Books plus the wider world of books too and of course the book charts will be uh, updated as well and I hear a rumour that there might be a new number one. So without further ado we better get started. Storm Kira last weekend um, screwed up the door entry system where I live, so there is wasn't much post this week. However, there is one parcel to unpack. Um, I'm afraid it is one of those horrible ones that gets lots of dust everywhere. So I'm grabbing my scissors. I'm going to be very careful with this as I open it. Um, it's from Atlantic Books. I can see that much from the label, so that's exciting because I don't think they've sent me much before. So this will be interesting to see what they think is is my style. And inside is I'm not sure. There's, yep, there's dust everywhere. But inside is oh, it's a it's a non-fiction um, one that is actually already out. It is called A Bit of a Stretch. It's the Diaries of a Prisoner. Uh, have you ever wondered what it's really like behind bars? Where can a tin of tuna buy you clean clothes? Where is it easier to get spice and paracetamol? Where does self-harm barely raise an eyebrow? Welcome to Her Majesty's Prison Service. Like most people, documentary maker Chris Atkin didn't spend much time thinking about prisons, but after becoming embroiled in a dodgy scheme to fund his latest film, he was sent down for five years. His new home would be HMP Wandsworth, one of the largest and most dysfunctional prisons in Europe. With a cast of characters ranging from wily drug dealers to senior officials bent on endless reform, this powerful memoir uncovers the horrifying reality behind the locked gates. Filled with dark humour and shocking stories, a bit of a stretch reveals why our creaking prison system is sorely costing us all. 
Uh, so a quick flick through, it is in diary form. So that'll be a bit like Adam Kay's This Is Going To Hurt, but perhaps a little bit more tough going, I would say. But I'll give it a read. I'll let you know. It is, uh, I'll add it to the website so you can, you can order it. There are some crime series that when you start to read them, you can pick them up at any point in the series. Say book two, book three, book one. And it doesn't really matter. There are some where it sort of matters. You know, you get a little bit of a ongoing story with the detective. But then there's things like After Dark from Dominic Nolan. This is his second book. It's the second Abigail Boone thriller. I'm going to say thriller rather than a detective story. And this is a direct sequel to his first one, uh, which was called Past Life. Let me read the blurb to you first. A girl held captive her entire life. After a shocking discovery, the police must unravel a mystery that horrifies the nation. A detective condemned as a criminal. Violently abducted while searching for a missing woman, DS Abigail Boone suffered retrograde amnesia, remembering nothing of her previous life. Defying the law to hunt those responsible, she now languishes behind bars. A monster hiding in the shadows. In desperation, police turn to Boone, who fears a connection to the disappearance of a child three decades earlier, and a mysterious underworld figure whose name is spoken only in whispers. Freed from prison, what will Boone sacrifice, and who must she become, to uncover the terrifying truth? So, for a little recap, past life found Abigail Boone. She was... um, she woke up in a room, held captive, and could not remember how she got there. She managed to escape, and her memories didn't come back. But she knew that she was investigating the mis- the disappearance of a girl named Sarah Steele. So she carried on doing that. And that that's kind of the plot of the first book. This one is set five years later, and Boone is in prison for doing a, a crime that you don't know about when you first start reading. Um, there are some flashbacks to four years previously, which which help colour in the gaps, and turns out, obviously, to be connected to the crime that she's being released for by Barb, uh, her old friend, to help the police with. But I think it's really brave, because actually this really does connect in to the first book in so many ways. The, the crimes that she investigated in the first book, the crimes that she ended up going to prison for, the crimes that she gets released to help investigate, they are all somehow interlinked. Some linked very, very obviously, some with some very tenuous links, but they're all there. When I spoke to Dominic recently for another podcast that will be coming out soon. I asked him if he was going to do another Abigail Boone thriller. And he said, no, I think Abigail needs a bit of a rest for a while. At that point, I hadn't read this. I'm reading, I've read it now. And oh my God, he's so right. This woman, poor thing. She's been through so much. But he definitely does leave it open for a another novel, which I would read in a heartbeat. This is pretty hard going at times. I, you know, it's not, it's not a regular police procedural 
there are you know it's it's deep within the paedophile rings of the country and when Boone gets hit he gets hurt there are a lot of detective novels where the detective will get beaten up fall over fall off a cliff blow up in a car what have you and they they sort of they have a few bruises and then they end up um recovering fairly quickly bit like uh, how James Bond used to be but Boone crikey when we meet her she's scarred and she's missing teeth and she has a dental bridge that um she keeps sort of losing and and trying you know it's a real life thing and then even more stuff happens to her throughout this book that actually affects her and slows her down and we kind of leave her on a little bit of a up note you know there's definite hope in her future but this is a woman who can remember nothing apart from the last five years four of which she spent in prison she's been beaten and bruised and attacked and she has had a very rough five years but she keeps going and her relationships at the end of this book with barb and with storm who by the way has a great name help her to do that despite the fact that she's lost everything there's not a lot else i i want to say about this um because it's such a involved book that anything else i say might reveal too much information and, and give you a spoiler but suffice to say this isn't a book where the ending comes as a complete surprise god there are surprises absolutely I was able to work one of the big twists out. It did take me a while, I'll, I'll admit to that. You know, I didn't spot it straight away. But this book isn't about those big twists. It's about that journey that Boone goes on. And if you see them coming, crikey, it makes your heart bleed for Boone even more as she notices it. Dominic has created a character in Boone that... I think is excellent. He hasn't given her an easy get out from her amnesia. She doesn't remember anything prior to waking up in that room. And it, it, you know, it feels like she's unlikely to. But she now gets to choose the life that she wants to live rather than live the life she was living. She can rebuild it into whatever she wants it to be. And I hope he does do another book. Because I feel like, although these particular crimes have been solved, there is more to come for Boone herself, and I want to see how she rebuilds her life. My guest this week on the Burt's Books podcast is Paul Burston, the author of The Closer I Get, which was published by Arenda Books in 2019. Paul, what are you reading at the moment? I'm reading the new book by Kate Helm, which is called The House Share, and it's coming out in May, and it's a psychological thriller. I'm only about three, four chapters in, but it's about... Um, people auditioning for a, for a place in this house share in London Bridge. And it's um, there, there seems to be quite a sort of vogue at the moment for, for books about sort of social anxiety around, around houses yeah. and neighbours <laughs> and things like that. So um, it's, it's really right on the nose, I think. I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. What sort of auditions? Is it like X Factor style? Or... <laughs> oh, no, I, I, no, no they, 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 they just... So far I've met two characters, Immy, who's the main character, and then one other character, and they turn up at this sort of open house day and they're being interviewed just during a party by various people who are already living in the house and, and you know already because the, 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 the prologue is 
um, somebody jumping to their death. So you know oh, wow. that you know that something bad has happened in this house. So clearly, it's going to be one of those um, sort of paranoid thrillers where you're not quite sure who or who or what led to this event. So she's very good. Her first book, The Secrets You Hide, was um, came out a couple of years ago, and it was about a courtroom courtroom artist who felt that she was able to tell if somebody was guilty of a crime or not just by looking at them and doing port- doing the portraits of them. And um, it was her first psychological thriller, and it was fantastic. I really loved that. So I'm really enjoying this one. Oh, I'll so have to far. check it out and have yeah. a look. Um, are you, what have you got in your to be read pile? Are you planning on a... Oh, I've got so many books to read. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't, I can't even keep track of them all. I mean, I'm, try- I'm trying to get through all the thrillers that um, I get sent at the moment because from the end of February onwards, I'm going to be getting submissions for the Polari Prizes that I run. So after that, my reading time is taken up. So I'm just trying to read... Um, I've just read, just read Tammy Cohen's new one. Um, I've read... What else have I read? Gosh, I've read uh, Liz Nugent's new one. And I've read um, CJ Tudor's new one. Yeah, like, all of which like were excellent. No, yeah. I love her. She's fantastic. Um, she's like sort of... A sort of British female version of Stephen King, almost, isn't yeah. it? Um, but the, I think I think this new one is her best. Actually, it's my favourite so oh, well, far. I haven't read any of others. I was going to go back and oh, read they're, it they're, 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 they're really good. They're really good. The previous the previous two books are really excellent. Um, I just think this one is she's really up to her game on this one. Okay. I think. Cool. Thank you very much. A few weeks ago, I told you about a book that had been sent to me called In Five Years by Rebecca. So, uh, a little bit of a recap. The blurb states the following. Where do you see yourself in five years? Type A Manhattan lawyer Danny Cohen has been in possession of a meticulously crafted answer since she understood the question. On the day that she nails the most important job interview of her career and gets engaged to the perfect man, she's well on her way to fulfilling her life goals. That night, Danny falls asleep only to wake up in a different apartment with a different ring on her finger and in the company of a very different man. The TV is on in the background and she can just make out the date. It's the same night, December 15th, but 2025, five years in the future. It was just a dream, she tells herself when she wakes, but it felt so real. Determined to ignore the odd experience, she files it away in the back of her mind. That is until four and a half years later when Danny turns down a street and there, standing on the corner, is the man from her dream. First off, this was not a difficult read. It is only about 240 pages long. So I read it in just one day and I was hooked, I guess is the right phrase, all the way through. I wanted to know what was going to happen with that four and a half, five year gap. And actually very early on, we we see everything in December 2020 when she gets engaged to David and then has the dream about Aaron. Uh, We find out his name is. And then suddenly it's five years later and she is with her best friend, Bella, and, and with David and she's introduced to Bella's new boyfriend, Greg, or full name, Aaron Gregory. Yes, it is the man from her dream. She starts to wonder, was it all real? Is her relationship with David wrong for her? She had a different ring on her finger. 
It was very clearly her apartment. Aaron's clothes were there as well. What was going on? Was this a premonition? And if so, how can she stop it from coming true? Because Aaron is madly in love with Bella. And Bella is madly in love with Erin and, and hasn't really ever had a relationship that's lasted longer than six weeks before. And yet here is Erin who she is spending more and more time with. But Danny is attracted to him. She feels this pull, the same feeling she felt during the dream. But she doesn't do anything. She doesn't actively pursue him. She wants to make her relationship with David work. But Danny herself is a little bit tiresome. She is very much in control of her life. She has everything planned out with numbers of when certain events will happen. She knew that she was going to get engaged to David on the night that she got engaged to him because they'd always discussed that it would happen that year and it was getting towards the end of the year and it hadn't happened yet. So she knew it was coming. And you kind of feel at the beginning that they are a perfect pair because he seems to like that controlling nature, that structure to both of their lives. This is what's going to happen when, in five years' time, this is where I will be. At the job interview that is mentioned in the blurb, she's very clear on where her life will be in five years' time, which always strikes me as a bit odd when people talk about that. I mean, I like to have goals, But to be that prescriptive does feel slightly... You're setting yourself up for a fall. And I couldn't help but feel that with Danny as well. Was this going to work out for her? Or was it going to be a massive, massive disaster? And of course, the Aaron factor within that does bring about some of that chaos into her life. Because internally, and she doesn't talk to anyone about it, she's having a little bit of a crisis. And as a reader, you're getting closer and closer to that night, that night in the middle of December, when supposedly Danny is living with Erin and they have sex. And you can't quite see how it's going to happen because various factors, but like at a point, you know, every time it's described as to what time of year it is, the you know she's still with David he's still with Bella there's stuff happening but you can't quite see how it will suddenly fast forward two three weeks and so much has changed that she's living with Aaron and in love so you do think oh, well maybe the premonition wasn't a real premonition but then more and more and more starts to come true little bits and pieces coincidences that just can't be explained but all the time, as a reader, you're thinking, no, there's not, there's something not right here. And that's all I can tell you, because I don't want to ruin it. But it is a very good book. You can read it very quickly. And I think it ends up on a very positive note for Danny. One that leaves you, as a reader, feeling quite satisfied. Where I think it could have gone somewhere where you would have not liked it. Um, And ultimately, she does end up being likeable, even though right at the beginning, she's hard work. Bert's Books Crowdfunder ends on a high. And a new podcast coming your way. So the Bert's Books Crowdfunder 
ended last week. Um, we got up to about £4,500, which I am really pleased about. It means that the very first stage of the design is covered cost-wise. So even if nothing comes of this now, I am not... I haven't lost out on any money. But it's still looking really positive. You know, the landlords are still up for it, as far as I know. And I'll be speaking to the designer soon. So we'll have some more stuff to share, I think. So keep an eye on the Burt's Books Twitter for that. Any of the rewards that weren't taken up on the crowdfunder, I will add to burtsbooks.co.uk. So check that out if you want to. And I may even do a few discounts or a few silent auctions on those. So you, if you wanted them but didn't want to pay as much as we'd initially suggested in the crowdfunder, you may still be able to get hold of them. Second piece of news this week is that the trailer for the new podcast, Shelf Life, is live. Uh, it's, it's heading out to the various podcast apps as we speak, but if you head to anchor.fm shelf-life, you will be able to hear a little bit about what is coming up. And I can exclusively reveal on this podcast right now that the first guest will be Rowan Coleman, author of The Summer of Impossible Things and The Bronte Mysteries, the first of which, The, the Vanished Bride. I had a really good time sitting with her, chatting, and we've I think we've got a really good podcast. Um, she's, she's picked some very good books. We have a good conversation. And I've got already five more people in the bag um i just need to edit them so this week i also sat down with steve anthony the picture book uh illustrator and author and we talked about his books that he's chosen and he's picked some great ones so that his will be coming up soon as well so head over to uh wherever you get your podcasts from and subscribe to shelf life from burtsbooks.co.uk <laughs> It's time now to check in with the book charts and find out where everything has ended up this week. Now, the last five weeks, the Pink of Nom Everyday Light has been at the top spot. But now that we're fully into February and people have stopped caring about the diets and and going to the gym, etc., there are rumours, maybe, could there be a new number one? There is only one way to find out. New into the top 10, it's Grown Ups by Marion Keys, the first of three new entries. At nine, a re-entry for Lisa Jewell and the family upstairs. And a new entry at eight for Katie Ford, a rose petal summer. At seven, down one, it's the Pink of Nom 100 Slimming Homestyle Recipes by Kay Featherston and Kate Allenson. At six, down one, it's Knife by Yo Nesbo. And new in at five, it's Val McDermott with How the Dead Speak. At four, down two, it's Jack Fairweather with the volunteer that was the Costa Prize winner. And a non-mover at three, it's Kate Atkinson's Big Sky, the latest Jackson Brody novel. And down one at two, it's Pink of Nom Everyday Light, Kay Featherston and Kate Allenson, which means we've got a new leader at the top of the charts and it is up three 
for The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse by Charlie Mackesee. A big seller last Christmas, looks set to keep on selling well into 2020. Will be interesting to see if Charlie can stay at the top spot next week, or if Pink of Nom can reclaim the top spot. Join me in next week's podcast to find out. Bit of a shorter episode this week. Clearly didn't have a lot to say for myself, which is not a common occurrence, so don't get used to it. Thank you to my guest, Paul Burston, for sharing his books that he's currently reading. And look out for the new podcast, Shelf Life, because Paul will be a guest on that coming very, very soon. All of the books discussed in this week's podcast are available to order on burtsbooks.co.uk. And if there's any books that you think I should be talking about or that you want to give a mini review for and give everybody's ears a break from my voice, then feel free to send something in to me at bert at burtsbooks.co.uk or just contact me the good old-fashioned way on Twitter at burtsbooks. If you enjoyed listening to the podcast, I would absolutely love it if you would share it with your friends. Follow me, subscribe, rate and review. Do all of those things. Doesn't cost you but a moment of your time and it will help me out an awful lot. The good news with a shorter episode is that you have got more time to go and read. So put down your phone, go and pick up a book and enjoy. I will speak to you next week.